You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is The Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. I've, uh, you know, lived and moved and saw the 13 different schools and all that kind of stuff. I mean, never would have thought to have cool neighbors. I mean, cool house, cool town, than to have cool neighbors. Do you feel like that's really kind of the first time you've experienced that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the house that we live in in Denton or have in Denton, we were there for at least 15 years. And I remember sitting out on my porch going, I wish I had cool neighbors. <laughs> That's yeah, all psychos and stuff. And, <laughs> and the neighbors that I would help out, and then it would totally ultimately bite me in the booty because that's just my nature is to, you know, help others or you got a problem or whatever. And it would just, in the weirdest way, get, you know, screwed up. And then it's like, so it kind of made me leery of it. Here, it's like, it's almost a competition on who can, who can uh, out neighbor the other one or whatever. It's like, <laughs> you're not feeling well. I can bring you over some soup or we just got all these vegetables or we this, that, whatever. They're just cool. All right. All right. All right. (laughs) Welcome, Shine Podcast listeners. It's Lilibet. Oh, my. That is brand new. Yeah. It's Katie did. It's Queen Elizabeth's nickname. Really? That's what her family called her, Lilibet. And we are here with the fabulous Miss (laughs) Bridget Spada. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. And Spell thank your you. last name. I'm I sorry. was going to say, thank you for pronouncing it that way, because my husband says it's Spada. Everybody else, even Surrey, says Spada. And then I found out that back in the day, one brother was mad at the other brother generations ago and uh, split off and changed the pronunciation. So it is Spada because it's Italian. It comes from Espada. So I like Spada. Wow. Oh, that was a whole lesson. We're working our way down a particular street in Columbiana, Ohio, (laughs) because we're, this is our trio of neighbors we've had on recently, Miss Jenna York and Emily Dorn, and now Miss Bridget Spada, who (laughs) is neighbors with Jenna and Emily, so. Kitty Corners are the best. So cute. Bridget was born in San Antonio, Texas, but she grew up in Dallas area until she was 13. Then she moved to Orange County, California for 12 years, then Haiti for three years, then Fort Lauderdale for a few years, then back to Denton, Texas, until she moved here about three years ago. What in the world brought you to Columbiana, Ohio? Uh, The car. (laughs) You just got in the car and drove to the nicest place in America, No, no, didn't know anything about it. My kids were just about, one had gone into the Marine Corps, the other one was going to go into the Air Force. We're about to be empty nesters. My husband's originally from Ohio, Canal Fulton, Akron area. Oh. We were thinking about, you know, moving out here. I'd always wanted to live in Ohio. I don't know why. Just always have. Because it has it's four a, seasons, yes, and it's and not 112 snow, degrees exactly, in the summer. <laughs> exactly. For fun, for, for Thanksgiving holiday break, decided to look at some stuff on Zillow, you know, online, and then drive up here and have like a Thanksgiving and visit family and stuff. But we wanted to kind of find something, you know, about an hour away from family. I found an Airbnb in Carrollton, Ohio, and we were going to look at a house in Poland. So we drove through Columbiana on the way. And I was on Zillow as we'd go through towns, and I'm like, oh, let's drive down the street and take a look at it and this and that. Drove down Union Street, saw it, 
Weirdly enough, we both liked it, which doesn't happen that often, my husband and I. Took the information down, called the guy, and he said, yeah, you know, he said, you know, make an appointment. I'm like, well, we're only here for a week. We're just visiting. And he's like, oh, okay, you know, we'll see it on Wednesday or something. And he's like, oh, by the way, did you know that we got voted the nicest city in America? And then when he told us about that, like, what are the chances? That's just where. And then we drove around the town, saw Firestone Park and all that kind of stuff and just fell in love with it. Earlier that day, he called the realtor about the house in Poland and he goes, oh, it just went on the market, went off the market or somebody's buying it or something. We drove around for the whole week that we were here looking at, you know, other houses, but we never called anybody on them because they were like, oh, okay, that's all right. That's nice. Love this one. It just literally like a God thing in so many different ways. (laughs) And so it wasn't really planned, but here we are. (laughs) Those are fun stories. And how long now? Uh, It would be three years that we bought it. I was going to be here for about two and a half, two weeks, three weeks, clean it up, and then go back and pack up stuff. Because my husband had to do some work on the house that we have back home. And so it was like, okay, now that we're getting, we got one kid out, you know, the other one out and start working on it kind of thing. So I was going to go back and get a U-Haul and bring furniture up and all that kind of stuff. And I never left. <laughs> I never went back. <laughs> That's the kind of thing Columbia has on you. But, and then, Did you make him pack everything up? No, no, no. I ended up, I've put together two Airbnbs two different times. And most of it was thrift store, side of the road, state sales, tag sales, that kind of stuff. Y'all have this wonderful thing up here in Columbia, I like to call the purge. That's in August <laughs> when everybody oh, gets to yes. put everything out of the curb. Cleanup day. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So I got, well, here's some temporary stuff, you know, since I'm staying here a little longer. Let me get this. And then I'm on Marketplace and I need this. Pretty much I could sleep 10 people at that house and I never had to go back and get any furniture or bedding or wow. anything. So the whole COVID was around and mm-hmm. then gas prices and everybody's moving and whatever. I think we saved a lot of money just not bringing our Texas stuff here. That's It's amazing wild. what God provides. So yeah, it's worked out really good. Because of all those places that she lived, she went to 13 different schools, including a summer at YWAM in Tyler, Texas. She's worked waitressing, office work, gift shows all over for her mom's business in Haiti. Then more recently, home repairs and painting, then fixer-uppers. She's run two Airbnbs until she moved to Columbiana. She's been married to her husband, David, for 18-plus years. Bridget has two grown kids. Bridget? Is it Bridget? Yeah, my daughter's name is Bridget is that, also. Okay. Yeah. Bridget May. Spelled differently. She's 23, and she's with the Air Force in Alaska, and her son Jared's 21. He's a Marine at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. She graduated from high school, and she did some community college. She loves fixing and restoring their old Circa 1870 home here in Columbiana. Mm. She's been at the Upper Room for over two years. So you just randomly found Columbiana. How you, did you randomly find the Upper Room? Well, a neighbor was going to Abundant Life when churches started to open up, I think, in June, because I came out at the end of May. So I went with her. And then I remember looking up churches around and saw Upper Room. And in Dallas, they have Upper Room, not for the same. And I thought, well, maybe they're all connected or something. Or just that's why it stuck out based on the name. So I went to Abundant Life and it was good. But I wanted to check this out and I checked it out. And you stayed too, stayed never went back. Like, yes, Abundant Life, great church, great people. This was just where I felt at home at. Yeah. Well, we're really happy you're here. And thanks for joining us today. Yeah. No problem. I was in the neighborhood. Yeah. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know. In and I... 
So, Bridget, tell us who or what turned your light on. Well, my parents, and especially my dad, have been brought up in a Christian home. They weren't always that before, but <laughs> anyway, um, so I was always brought up in a Christian home, and we used to go to Christ for the Nations in, in Dallas. I remember accepting the Lord at, I want to say I was 11 or 12, getting baptized there. I don't have that great of a testimony because I just always was around it. Now, my husband, he's got a good one. So I, I just usually share his. <laughs> Is that, does that mean? <laughs> no, you can't share his. We'll interview him. Okay. <laughs> Did you have two kids when you met him? No. When I say plus years, I mean, we have known each other over 20 years. We had the two kids, but he had a drinking problem. I was committed to the kids, but not to his drinking problem. And on February 7th of 03... He was literally ready to slit his wrist and kill himself because he just had enough of, you know, the drinking and all that kind of stuff. And see, I'm end up giving his testimony. God threw the knife out of his hands, and he said he just sat there at the kitchen sink weeping and crying. And he still had to go to jail, though, because he was a bad boy and had to do— It's actually a couple days past his time that he was supposed to go in, and the— uh, probation officer was being really cool with him. And then these people that we knew from church, I'd call them to come over because I, I couldn't. I had to go to work, had the kids and whatever like that that morning. So they came over and picked up Dave, brought him over to their house, and they uh, he got saved right there. And then they took him to jail. And he went into the jail there in Denton, Texas, and ended up being put in what they coined the God Pod because there's about seven or eight guys that used to get together and study the Bible and stuff like that. And he spent about 40 days in there, 30 or 40 days, I can't remember. Came out knowing more about the Bible than he ever did with 12 years of Catholic school because he was brought up Catholic. And then he had to go to court-appointed uh, rehab. At that point, I was calling his PO and stuff like, he doesn't need it. He's saved. He's delivered. I can see it. The old Dave is no longer there. I even used to tell him, it's like, when you're pregnant, once you deliver the baby, you're no longer pregnant. You've been delivered. You're not an alcoholic, but he's still court appointed, had to go. You know, I'm a single mom with two kids. I need that other, you know, income that now it's a steady one because before it wasn't so steady with the drinking kind of thing. Mm. But then he ended up getting let out early because I think Bush was the president at the time and closed down all the rehabs or something. So he only had to do a few weeks. Anyway, so that was uh, him, like I said, February 7th. He considers that more of his birthday than his June birthday by far. But that December, we married because I knew that it was a, a fix. Mm-hmm. It was a permanent fix, not a, you know, somebody sitting on the edge waiting to pop open that beer can kind of, you mm-hmm. know, fix or whatever. Did you do all of the moving when you were married? or you No, 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 like just growing up. And my dad was not, yeah, he was in the Army a long time ago, but we were not military kids. He was in real estate, so that's the best I can come up with. We were living in San Antonio. I was a year old when we moved to the Dallas area. And then we were living there till I was about five or six. And then my dad was involved with a church that was setting up orphanages in Haiti. And so I was one of eight kids at that time. Same mom and dad and everything, four of each. And we moved in 1970 to Haiti to help set up these orphanages. I remember my mom even used to sew the little gingham uniforms for the kids and stuff like that. And so we ended up living there for about a year and a half. That was neat and different. And I highly recommend everybody to live outside of this country. Then you'll appreciate it more, what you got here. So anyway, we ended up living there for about a year and a half. It was a neat experience living there. But anyway, we lived there for about a year and a half. And then one of the last houses we moved out of there was uh, the embassy of some 
country I can't remember and stuff. So mm. my dad is quite the um, interesting. That's probably where I got it from. Yeah. <laughs> from all of us. I believe I'm, I'm it. I'm a fraction of what my dad is. And so anyway, find- so we moved back to Texas. Then 13, we moved from Texas to California because we had a lot of family out there that was, I hate to say it, but dying off. So we went out there kind of like for a visit and ended up living out there for 12 years. I started high school out there. And my mom had a hobby that turned into a business that she needed to kind of do more mass. It was wood painted stuff and was selling to local stores and it was getting bigger and stuff like that. So she needed to get kind of more labor and labor painting kind of thing. She really loved Haiti. She always just felt like a calling for it. So she ended up moving back there and starting a factory of this metal paint or wood painted art. And then because wood is scarce out there and they have a lot of oil drums and it's an old Haitian art form, then she incorporated it into the metal and she's been doing and is still doing it right now with all that's going on there. Does she live there? She was until I busted her out last October because there was just way too many kidnappings going on. And so she she came to stay with me, but she's not a fan of the cold. (laughs) So she's uh, staying with uh, my brother in Texas and my other sister lives in Oklahoma. See, because of all the kids. Did get divorced? Yes, they did. So I lived in California. Then she went, started her business early 90s, I went to go visit, put everything in storage and go visit my mom for a little bit. Three years later, I was still there. I was just gonna visit for a little bit. In Um, Haiti? Yeah. So that was my second time living there. But yeah. uh, You have a pattern here, Bridget. I know, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't invite me over. I was gonna say, (laughs) Bridget says, I'm gonna go visit something (laughs) or someone. You better watch out. Apparently. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of hard to follow the track because <laughs> it does kind of bounce around. But, um, yeah, I lived there for three years. Do you feel like Haiti affected your faith, being down there, living there, watching orphanages be built? The fact that they go to um, voodoo ceremonies on Saturday night and Catholic church on Sunday because they like to appease both gods. Mm. More, I think, not so much faith, but education. I found out Haiti, I mean, from living there, the education is so important because if you don't know better, you don't do better. Mm. The reason why they don't have any wood there is because they chop all the trees down to burn charcoal to cook their food. Well, they don't know anything about reforestation, so now they don't have any trees. And then most of the water is run through turbines from the rain because they get plenty of rains, but all the erosion has filled up all the waterway things so it can't fill up as as it should because of all the dirt that's in it and it's like little things like that made me realize that how important education is for our future i mean it's not something like you can just throw off to the side we need that and it makes me upset that like professional athletes are paid so much more than teachers (laughs) but they aren't furthering our future right they're just entertaining us for the moment Mm -hmm. you know kind of thing so Mm. i think that's uh, the biggest take i got from you know haiti is just education and also appreciating you know what you do have here that you can turn on the light switch and electricity most of the time will come on you can call a tow truck and somebody will show up do you feel like your faith has changed being here in columbiana you've just moved so much i was just wondering if you like if if you had different faith experiences or growing faith in different places and if Columbiana has affected how you believe or what you believe. I definitely know the upper room. I feel more with my people and comfortable and that we're all of like minds kind of thing. And I've never, you know, like kind of got so 
I'm not really that involved, but it's kind of neat having neighbors that go to the same church too, and that kind of help it. I'm usually just kind of a back of the row, slip in, slip out, try not to believe it or not, you know. <laughs> Except she means I front. I do. <laughs> when she says back of the row, she means front. I was going to say, yeah. I, I love it. And I'm she like, likes- we're describing Bridget. She's fashionably late. She slides into the... Right side of the middle row. But it's like well, always it's in the for, front. Okay, but you know, well, here's why with the ADHD or ADD or whatever, that's one thing I like about the darkness and the focus on and then being up front because otherwise I'll be looking around and looking at people's earrings or hairstyles or sweaters or whatever kind I of thing. I love it. Helps me focus more. And then the get it, the coming in late started because when I first moved here, I brought my la- large lab chop- mixed dog. <laughs> and I would barely get to go to church and come home and all the blinds are shredded or whatever. She'd never been, you know, home alone in a new state. I thought, okay, I need to minimize my church time to the shortest amount. Get in with, <laughs> get the message and get out. Piece. Yeah. How many do you have now? Just the three dogs. Okay. Well, two of them are like five pounds each. So they don't really even count as a half dog. Well, Great. speaking of dogs, Bridget, tell us what lights you up. My dogs. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, here's the pictures. Like, Here we go. Yeah, I would say the the whole house stuff. You know, because I've lived around in different places, homes and whatever like that. Most of them rentals. Get to fix it up, or I never even planted a garden. It seemed like, yeah, growing up, it was about every year and a half. It seemed like we moved, so I think that was like in my mindset that. You know, I can be around long enough to plant a garden kind of thing, but I've done that here. Nice. Um, and then, like, an older home with 150-year-old wood doors that are just in amazing shape once you sand the paint and shellac. And it's back to fresh, brand-new wood. And that's what I always say, too, the more they work with wood. No wonder Jesus was a carpenter because wood is so forgiving. <laughs> you can scuff it, stain it, do whatever. You sand it down and you're all back to a fresh new. So you really have a knack for restoring things with other things that need restored. I mean, Columbiana Cleanup Day yep, yep. has furnished your house that sleeps 10 oh, people yeah. I now. Mean, <laughs> an antique is still an antique, whether it's in somebody's house or on the curb. It's just easier for me to pull up and get it. <laughs> Have you always been a fixer-upper, do it, your DIYer? I think so, because I remember, you know, like, I used to have my mom when she first started out doing, like, the base ground painting on the wood pieces. In the garage, she had a bandsaw to cut out her pieces and stuff. So, and my mom doesn't really seem like the type that'd be, you know, working a bandsaw kind of thing, but she was. But I remember we had an old phone out there that didn't work, and so one time I messed with it, rewired it, and got it working, and I was like, ooh, this is cool. In high school, we had an old Volvo station wagon that they let us drive, me and my older sister and stuff, and then the alternator went out on it. And so I went to, like, a pick-apart place and got an alternator. It wasn't exactly the same one, but I remember putting it in there and going in and starting the car and that feeling you gave life to something that didn't have it before, and so that got me hooked. I volunteered at thrift stores where I worked in the warehouse and fixed, you know, the stuff that was broken, and that was kind of fun because... You can only go up from there. It's already broken. It was free. It can only be improved. So it's like, I like that kind of, you know, I can work with that. So I don't know. just need to make things better. You know? And you've become involved in the, this is just what I'm hearing. You've become involved in the historical society. Oh, yeah. So there's been some- doing the, a couple of their teas now. Helped with the, uh, I was actually chairwoman of the quilt raffle. I didn't ask for that position. Deb just told me that was what I was doing. doing I got hooked on it because I wanted to research the home that we have. 
you know, the Fitzpatrick's that originally had it and all that stuff. So I was waiting for them to open because, like I said, moved out here during COVID. And when they opened up and then found out that they do research on Tuesday mornings, I started going in there to research my home. And then I end up just, again, same pattern. <laughs> I've been going there every Tuesday for the past year and a half, doing research for mine, other people's homes, helping them do, you know, research research on stuff. It's just, it's neat. And it, I feel like I kind of like, this way I kind of, y- y'all have all grown up here, most people have, and mm-hmm. they all know Columbia and its history. Well, I think I might know more than y'all. <laughs> I was going to say, tell us some things right. that you've learned. You know, the whole founding fathers of Joshua Dixon and all the, the Holloways and everything like that. And then I just love history. I like older things. And I love those old newspapers or big old Bible that was brought in with the metal clasp and everything. And I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. And then it's always just kind of a neat bonus thing while I'm looking through stuff. And then I'll see somebody's name or some relation and... It got me hooked, the whole detectiveness and stuff. What did you find out about your house? Fitzpatrick's, James Bernie and Mary Fitzpatrick are the original people. But I haven't really actually gotten to find a whole lot about it. Oh, there used to be a speakeasy apparently down in the basement. And then I got... Of your house? Yeah. Whoa. Oh, that's right. Emily was telling us about that. (gasps) Yeah. And then I found out from... Forgot about that completely. The great-granddaughter, she gave me some of the paperwork that she had on it, and there was these indictments for selling liquor on a Sunday or to minor. But they're all in the wife's name. And I think that's kind of weird. Would the wife really be doing this? Or the man has to work, so we throw the wife under the bus in case they have to do jail time, you know, kind of thing. I don't (laughs) know. That's so interesting. So I I need to research that some more. But I don't know. I just like researching history. Tell us something else about Columbiana that we might not know. What do you know about the cabin at the Circle? Oh, it used to be over on Railroad Street, right across from Vine, not, you know, far from my house and stuff, but uh, it was moved in 1976, or they were starting to tear it down, then they realized it was a two-story, and it's a log house, not a cabin. That's another. Cabins are one story, a log house is two. Okay. So that's why you have to call it a log house and not a log cabin. I learned that while doing the tours and stuff. Stand correct. And then (laughs) so they were starting to tear it down and then realized that it was, you know, like this old cabin and stuff. And so they donated it to the circle. And then I think the Bookwalter, Dr. Bookwalter, um, they donated the property and all that kind of stuff. And it all came together. It's such so, a cool place. Yeah. If you're Downstairs like, in the basement, that's my favorite. Yep. If you're listening and you have not visited the, the log house, it's worth a visit. It's fascinating inside, and it is like taking a step back in history. You and walk in there. And it blows like, me away. Wow. I mean, I've only been here two or three years. I love the place. I could, I'm always seeing more stuff that I didn't see before. And most of my neighbors that have lived here all their life have never been in there. I'm like, you got a good thing going here. And they've done an amazing job of, the, you know, keeping the catalogs and research in the papers and it's really easy to it's very user friendly to go in there and look up family or this and that so i'll be taking danielle's names and looking up your (laughs) do it my family they were in letonia yeah the altamars my grandpa was dr pritchard and he donated he has a bunch of stuff yeah. I think some in the basement. Yeah, he was like that's a, what I was thinking. Was I think doctor. there's another um, doctor's case in it said Dr. Okay. Pritchard. Yeah, yeah, that's him. So he donated his stuff when he passed. And I, I hope that people do. Because it's the same thing like collecting stuff on the side of the road. It's just going to go into a landfill or junk and never be found again. If somebody could 
use it, do something with it that beats a landfill, you know? Yeah. And you never know what you'll find in those things. It might be gold doubloons or something. <laughs> I couldn't take a blank, like if somebody said, design your own home or, you know, here's a credit card, go buy whatever you want to fix it up. That would hurt me to try to even figure that out. But getting something found, or kind of MacGyvering it in, that's more fun. There's mm. more challenge there. And it was free. And it's just, like I said, saves time and money. My daughter-in-law is a thrifter. Like, that could be her full-time job. Mm. And Jaden has turned into a thrifter. It's never been my cup of tea, but I went thrifting with them. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I found an outfit for $10. A purse, <laughs> a shirt, and <laughs> Look at yeah. you. To me, it's more for the challenge of making it. You know, you'll have a better chance of finding, like, a Mona Lisa in a thrift store than you will at Kohl's or whatever. You never know when it might pay off. So tell us, in this season of your life, how are you letting your light shine? Basically, neighbors and, I, and the bad ones, too. <laughs> I, mean, I know I talked about the good neighbors, but because I'm on, you know, that side of the tracks or south yeah. side of Columbiana or whatever. We've got neighbors that um, they need church and they need help and they need either kindness or a ride or food or all that kind of stuff. And it's just... Like I said, it's always kind of been my nature to do that. So that's what I like to do around there. And then I was a grandma for two days. A couple of weeks ago when they had Grandma Day at Joshua Dixon, my neighbor friend, she's got a mom. And she's got a boyfriend that has the mom that's my other neighbor. Um, so she's got two choices of grandmas to go to this. <laughs> she asked if I would, and I think it was just because I'd be the only one to show up sober at 9.45 in the morning. <laughs> but mm. It was really neat. It was, it's like, I feel so at home here in the two years, two and a half years that I've been here than I did, you know, 15, 20 years in Denton, Texas. Do you think you're different or are you the same, but the people around you have responded well, I differently? I think God just put me in the right place with the right people and stuff. I mean, down to even the house. When The reason why it sat for two or three years is it looked like somebody had gone in, I want to say deshuke, it's a Haitian word, but it describes it so well. You know, doors were off, it didn't look right. You see the cement around the trim. And so the guys that owned it before, it sold off five of the doors and three of the trim on both sides of the doors of the place. So it looked, you know, bad. No water heater, no toilet on one floor. All the light fixtures are gone, that kind of stuff. So these things, okay, we can do those. But those doors, that was going to be a hard one. And like I said, I moved in at the end of May. So June, July, I had just was taking my husband to the airport. He'd come out to do the water heater and kind of get it functional. <laughs> Picked up a flag for 4th of July, hung it out on my front porch. A few weeks later, I get a knock at the door, and it's this older gentleman with a mask because it was still covid Asking me if I own the place. And I'm thinking, should, should I tell him? I don't know. I'm just kind of scared. And he goes, I was the one that bought all those doors and trim. And I, I just lived down the street. And I was going to redo my house because I always loved Queen Anne Victorian, all that kind of stuff. And I was going to redo my house. But I'm not. I'm going. He's an older gentleman. He's going to be moving to Buffalo and stuff. Would you like to buy them back? And we'd already, I think, priced them at Baird Brothers. And it was going to be like $4,000 to do this. I go, yeah. And he goes, I go, how much? He goes, $600 is what he paid for them. That's why, even my husband says, that's when he knew that this house was, you know, from God for us because we got to get all the door. And he was architectural salvage where he had a box of any little bits or pieces that had come off. They were all just sitting right down the street, what, three-tenths of a mile away, are the doors and the trim in his garage. Now it's all like a normal house because before it didn't look like that. But 
And I used to be mad at the people that basically, you know, tore up this house, you know, as I'm going through and fixing things and paint dribbled on this and that. And then I thought, well, wait a minute. I kind of owe them a thank you because it kept the house. Nobody wanted to buy it. Even Emily's sister was interested in buying it. That's why she even knows more about it. She's got a book she's going to give me on it because she researched uh, the house and stuff. No way. But they had, you know, a little kid and they said it would just be too much work and all that kind of stuff. So that's why it sat. It was waiting for us to drive through and that's take a crazy. look at it. Yeah. A bunch of those stories like that. So it just keeps getting proved to me that I was meant to be here. So that's why when you're asking me specifically, Shine, I never thought about it, that it's and it's not that I don't think I've changed or anything. It's just like, I feel like finally after 57 years, I'm in the right place. I mean, I've tried to be there in the right place before, but finally I get to be in a place where I'm happy doing what I do and I'm getting good feedback from it. Where, like yeah. I said before, it didn't always work out well. For people listening that don't know how to be a good neighbor, <laughs> I say that facetiously. I live by a cornfield and a marsh. <laughs> Cornfield across the street, marsh on the other side. And so I do have like neighbor John, crickets neighbor John next to me. And we only really ever see him in the summer when he's mowing the yard. And there are houses on our road, but I don't know my neighbors. It's always easier if you're moving somewhere, if you do it right at the beginning to kind of get to know. Because y'all have been neighbors forever, so it's kind of a weird time to say, okay, by the way, I'm your neighbor. Can I borrow a cup of sugar? You know, kind of thing. It's like kind of after the fact. So... And I'm not really, believe it or not, I don't go out and try to drum up conversation or neighborly. I don't believe but it. I know. I'm not convincing <laughs> anybody of this, but in my heart and soul, I feel like I'm not. But it's like going to be friendly, and then it just kind of morphs on from there. And the next thing you know, I'm involved in their lives and helping them out and doing different things. And I got to give a shout out to my daughter she, when she went into the Air Force and she couldn't bring the car that she had, which was having an engine light problem, but it still ran great. She could have sold it, but um, there was a family down the street that has five kids and they needed an extra car. And she said to go ahead and give it to them. And I'm like, really? Because that's not normally even her nature. And she goes, yeah, they're a family. They need it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe the apple fell a little close to the tree or yeah. whatever. So. And I usually don't like to bring up credit, but I got to give credit where mm. credit's due. And that was really amazing of my daughter to do. And so she's been watching you do it. And what a testimony that your neighbor wants you to fill in is for grandparent day. Yeah, I freaked my kids that out. My husband, we all communicated through WhatsApp. And I was like, oh, by the way, today I'm a grandma. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry, wondering, what? Like, Ooh, what? And I'm like, just for today and then tomorrow for the other kid. That's beautiful. Yeah. They kind of set the bar low if you've met the family, so it was easy. So, but it was easy. But to even do. then, like you mean something to them, and and not just anything like a grandmother role. Like yeah. that's wild. It, it really was neat because I mean, my kids are you know twenty one, twenty three now, so it's been a while since I was in elementary school and stuff, and so it was it was neat to do that for them. And and got there a little bit late, and I remember. Her sitting by herself and then her smile, you know, when it's like, oh, somebody's here for me. So oh. parents or grandparents or neighbors out there, try to be there for them because I always yeah. feel, I feel bad for the kids. That is a great testimony because, uh-huh. I mean, my kids grew up with both sets of grandparents and they even have a bonus pair of grandparents that, that visit. But grandparents are the best. 
And I, I, I be, feel yeah. so blessed that my kids had both sets. Well, I actually have three sets of grandparents. And there are a lot of families that don't have grandparents or they're far, far away and they don't see them very much. And I know, like Zach and Emily, speaking of them, they have amazing family that's in and out all the time doing all kinds of stuff. And so I live vicariously through them, <laughs> especially with the house being up higher. I get to have an But you guys all set an example and you can see it in Emily and Zach and their family and how they live and function. Like they set an example yep. for goodness. And you do too. That's and the really kids cool. have even come to my, I didn't realize before this, uh, I brought the girl Shay. She'd asked me about going to church. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I brought her. And then when I brought her back home the next Sunday, the her brother Zyler was like, can I go too? And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I brought them here to church a couple of times and. That's that is really neat. It's definitely shining. Well, what's mm. your what's your advice for people that don't know their neighbors that have lived there for twelve years? <laughs> what if you didn't just move? Start working in the front yard. That always helps because oh, of my backyard. I've got a fenced in backyard. I could hide out there all I wanted to, but it seems like when I'm in the front yard, then you know you meet them, and people are just so kind and nice out here. My husband kind of warned me, though. He's from Ohio, and he said the people from the north aren't as friendly as you're used to. And, you know, coming from Texas, we're all howdy, y'all, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, the, the, all right, I'm prepared or whatever. And everybody's just so kind and nice. And I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for the other shoe to fall. Like, we're, and, and they won't be, like, <laughs> nosing in your face or whatever like that. But if you stop and talk, then 45 minutes, you're still sitting there talking. I'm like, oh, okay, they're, they're respectful for your privacy. But then it's like, once you get talking, then it's floodgates or something. Totally. Like, or it might be my face. I've, I've been told that all my life. People come up and tell me their life story or whatever. I'm just standing in the bank line and somebody will turn around and start telling me stuff. So I think it <laughs> might have something to do with it. That's a gift. My turn? Mm-hmm. All right. Do you have a supernatural story or something to share that has been different? I'm a firm believer that God made you. He can heal you. You know, he yes. can fix you. And that's one of the things I've always said to people because he can. He made you. He knows what to do. And, okay, and, uh, I like this. I, I did have this one. I always hate, you know, getting burned or the heat or whatever because you got to soak your hand in ice or whatever. And I remember as a younger kid, I was at some uh, really neat spiritual lady's house that lived in the, it was two trains in Lone Pine, California, attached together. And an Indian guide used to take her to these hot springs, sulfur hot springs, because she had something wrong with her and it fixed or whatever. But she had a, one of those pot belly stoves that heated it. And I remember working on it and I lifted my hand up and it burnt my hand really bad there. And I hate those things. And so I just prayed right then and it never hurt. And I'm like, see, that's just proof. And then my dad and his walk with Christ and stuff, there's been so many healings that, you know, he's mm -hmm. told me about legs being lengthened and people walking and all that stuff. So just personally, little things, nothing big, you know, like that, but little things that only God would know. That's why I always call him like my secret admirer because your secret admirer who is really in, knows you would know just the right gift or what you need or whatever like that. I love this. Yeah. You know, one case in point, I wanted some planters, you know, put some plants in. Yeah. And I was driving by on the backside of this one thrift store. They always just threw stuff in a dumpster. I mean, just because the sale was over. So I'm driving by a peek in there, and there's two or three pots still new with the tags on them sitting right on top. It was like, okay, that was so random. 
And that stuff happens to me all the time, random stuff. People Now people will even ask me specifically for things because then I'll find it. Oh. <laughs> I'm the finder of uh-huh. things. That's an anointing. I love that. I mean, another example, my neighbor is back in Denton. She she said, yeah, can you find me like one of those little benches, you know, for mud boots and whatever for my two little kids? And, yeah, okay. I mean, I think she called me about it. And then I was going to Ace Hardware to get keys made for that Airbnb I was telling you about. And because um, it was this couple that was living in Denton, but they wanted to move into it. They were going to be moving to Alaska, but they needed somewhere to downsize and stay for about three or four months. So I'm like, oh, perfect. So I can finish, you know, get it ready and they can be living there. So I was dropping off the key that I made for them for the place and sitting out on the front porch was one of those little benches. So I take a picture and I texted them because they weren't home. So I was leaving the key for them. And I said, are you going to keep that? Do you need that? And I go, no, you can take that. This was all within 20 minutes. She called and told me about it. I went to Ace Hardware to get the keys, drop it off. This home that I'd never been to before, sitting there on the front, not on the inside of the house, which was nobody there and locked, outside on their porch is exactly that. Pick it up and brought it home. So like within 20 minutes. So <laughs> couldn't start your list now, that whatever you might so need. good. I could go on with these stories, but it's just so many things like that have happened that I see God and things all the time mm-hmm. because he, he shows himself. So if anybody's looking for an antique or something practical for your house, check in with Bridget. But also, it's such a blessing to hear your story and just how you really are letting your light shine by being a good neighbor and being generous with people. The world needs more people. The world needs more Bridgets. I mean, if everybody did treat their neighbor better than imagine the ripple effect because everybody's somebody's neighbor. And, and I swear, though, Columbiana, y'all really do have it going on here. I mean, the most road rage I've ever seen out here is at the intersection when you come to it and they go, no, you go first. No, you go first. Uh, <laughs> no, there's this one intersection. That I swear crazy. this guy was there way before me. And I, so I, I got to be all Columbiana and say, no, you go. And he just sit there and shook his head like, and I go. What is it, a law out here? Like, will they write you a ticket if you're not nice or whatever? Like, I mean, I think I still have the Texas plates on, so maybe they're like, you know, it's a foreigner thing or whatever, but that's the most road rage is at the intersection, letting somebody go first. They've done a good thing here and keeping it quaint and cool. Don't tell too many people about Columbiana. We want to keep it our secret. Nobody will listen to this, right? Not a soul. Okay. (laughs) Well, if you are out here listening, we're going to just put a a challenge out there for you to be a little bit more neighborly than you normally are right there in your neighborhood. It's a beautiful place in the neighborhood. Sing that song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't Won't you be mine? Yep. And you think about it, everybody probably wants a good neighbor, so be that good neighbor, and then they probably will be, or they should be, and then it'll it'll go on from there. Who knows? Well, thank you, Bridget, for encouraging us to be neighborly. (laughs) Make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.